0: Ah. 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 Philip Kindred Dick was born in 1928 and died in 1982. He was an American writer known for his work in science fiction. His work explored philosophical, social, and political themes with stories dominated by monopolistic corporations, alternate universes, authoritarian governments, and altered states of consciousness. His writing also reflected his interest in metaphysics and theology. He was born in Chicago, Illinois. Dick moved to the San Francisco Bay Area with his family at a young age. He began publishing science fiction stories in 1951 at the age of 22. His stories initially found little commercial success, but his 1962 alternate history novel, The Man in the High Castle, earned him an acclamation of the Hugo Award for Best Novel. A variety of popular Hollywood films have been been done on his books uh, like Blade Runner, Total Recall, Minority Report, A Scanner Darkly, The Adjustment Bureau. Meanwhile, the novel The Man in the High Castle was made into a multi-season television series by Amazon. In 2005, Time Magazine named Ubik one of the hundred greatest English language novels published since 1923. In 2007, Dick became the first science fiction writer ever to be included in the Library of America series. Let's go back to the P.K. Dick readings, emceed by William Sedaris and Gordon Van Gelder. Gordon kicks us off. I think most years we arrange the readings in alphabetical order the alphabetical order based on the authors' names. This year, in the spirit of Phil Dick, we randomized it by throwing the I Ching. (laughs) (laughs) And our next reader is Audrey Schulman, reading from Theory of Bastards.
1: First off, it's always a thrill that the book has a swear in it. I get to swear all the time in public. Um, anyway, the, this book's about Dr. Frankie Burke, who's a MacArthur Genius Award winner, uh, and she's uh, studying bonobos. Uh, bonobos are uh, a great ape. It's our, our mo- one of our most uh, relatives most close to us. They look an enormous amount like uh, chimpanzees, just a little skinnier, a little less muscular, and they're they're hair is normally parted right down the center and sort of combed down almost, um, so that they look a little bit like alfalfa and little rascals. (laughs) Um, and the reason why a lot of people don't know about them is because they have uh, sex constantly it's their way of dealing with everything um, any tension uh, you know food fight anything um, and that's why you don't see a lot of PBS specials about them and you don't find them <laughs> at uh, zoos because there's no PG-18 part of the zoo um, but they're, they're incredible creatures they're uh, highly matriarchal and uh, very non-violent they will not uh, like chimps, they'll search down uh, premeditate, premeditated and kill other chimps, but bonobos, like the worst they ever, I've done a lot of research about them, and the worst I ever heard of is where one bit another one on the hand, and a few drops of blood came up, and all the bonobos were just freaked out at that. So anyway, uh, my main character, Dr. Frankie Burke, is, is studying them, and this is a few years in the future, uh, so climate change is uh, a bit worse, when uh, a giant dust storm sweeps in, uh, and uh, all hell breaks loose, and she and the bonobos have to survive. So I'll read to you a short section, which is just as the dust storm is sweeping in. In the middle of the night, Frankie woke, her bladder full, and remembered the storm. After visiting the bathroom, she headed toward the enclosure to see if the storm had arrived. The rasping snore of one of the bonobos echoed down the hall. It sounded like Mr. Mister. In the research room, she stopped in front of the door to the enclosure and said, okay door, open. The door unlocked and she stepped out into the empty space. The overhead lights snapped on, blinding, so she said, "Okay, lights, off. With a metallic clunk, the lights turned off. In the darkness, the enclosure felt spooky, a deserted auditorium at night. With the glass roof closed, the echo was perfect, the rustle of her clothes, the rasp of her breath. She sniffed the air and looked up. Of course, there was nothing to smell, aside from the normal fragrance of fruit, manure, and cleaning products. Above, the stars were clear and bright. She sat down, leaning back against the wall, hoping to stay awake until the dust storm arrived. The image in her mind was of howling winds and groaning walls, small objects flying about. Sitting there, she half-dozed. At one point, she startled up, unsure of what had woken her or how much time had passed. The quiet, complete, profound, the silence of a dream. Perfect timing. (laughs) Um, no, No traffic, no voices, no wind, nothing except the breath in her throat. Above her, half the stars were gone. She blinked up at the sky. At first she assumed the object between her and the stars was a cloud. Then noticed how clean the line was, like a giant piece of paper creeping majestically forward across the night sky she looked over at the tourists viewing area. One by one, the lights along the path blurred, then disappeared, wiped from view, from existence. This silent darkness sliding forward along the path, erasing object after object, until only the enclosure remained. This building, the last in all the world. The storm arrived in this way, not with noise or fury, but instead like fog, a creeping absence of sound and light and vision, like death or anesthesia, an inching thief. Staring upward, she imagined all that dirt, that dust hanging in the air above her, thousands of feet of it, higher than she could see or imagine, the sheer weight of it all, For a moment, she felt how truly tiny, how utterly insignificant she was. Then she stood up and shook herself. Heading off to bed, she uh, concentrated instead on the fact that she was inside. The lights and heat on, the fridge full, the sink working. That cozy sense of comfort that came from being warm and safe during a storm. That sense of being privileged and smart. Thank you. That was Audrey
0: Schulman with Theory of Bastards. By the way, Europa Design polished it. Next episode, we will hear from nominee Jeff Noon on his novel, The Body Library. The reading is done by Adam Kakonis. He tried to read his own face for a message. His own face was a cry for help. His face was a cry for help in the middle of a novel. His own face was a short story with a sad, sad ending.